Welcome the rich man, he's hard for you to miss. His butt keeps getting bigger, and there's plenty there to kiss. In the name of the water and wind within me, unbind her. Over there, get that black slug, get it, get it, get it. You killed it. Those things are bad luck. Hurry, before it rubs off on you, put your thumbs and forefingers together. Evil, be gone. <laughs> don't worry, I'll remember who you are. Just don't get any fatter, they'll eat you. Oh, a radish spirit. <laughs> what useless scum is slinking around in the rain? <laughs> and on that lo- note, let's dive into our first animated glass of film on the rock. Oh, yeah. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Film on the Rocks. I'm Levi and I'm joined by my good buddy Brooker and today we're going to be talking about the gorgeous film Spirited Away, directed, created, drawn, everything by the wonderful Hayao Miyazaki. So Levi, is this considered anime? Uh, yes, he says with a question mark. Um, it is... A Japanese animated film, uh, but yeah, that that word anime is kind of that that's kind of muddy water a little bit depending okay. on 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 your circles. That actually is a topic we'll get into uh, as the podcast goes on. All right, um, the topic of of anime and and this beautiful director. But like I said, this is a uh, a film called Spirited Away, and it is what I believe to be. A nearly perfect movie in many respects. But I've seen this quite a few times. Brooker, this was your first time seeing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was my first time ever seeing it. And it was it was quite an experience <laughs> going through this for the first time. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, it was. And I went into it super clean. Um, you actually, because I asked you, you know, what, what movie do you want to do? And you know, you brought this up. And I actually have never heard of it before, uh, surprisingly. And I, so I decided, all right, you were just like raved about it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go into a super clean. I didn't watch any trailers. I didn't mm-hmm. like watch or read anything about this movie. The only thing I knew was that everything you told me was that like, you know, it was an anime or animated movie mm-hmm. from Japan from 2001. And it like won all these awards. And that's all I knew going yeah. into it. Yeah, it was, uh, it won uh Best animated feature at the Oscars. It's actually, as far as I know to this day, the only film t- that is non-English to win best animated feature at the Oscars, which is super duper duper cool. Oh yeah. Uh, but before before we jump into it, Brooker, just because you know our our slogan is movies are fun, but we're also <laughs> very much against spoiling movies. We if you haven't seen Spirited Away, stop here, go back and watch it, come back. We don't want to spoil anything for you, but there will be spo- spoilers in this in this podcast. So you have been warned. Oh yeah. Also, it's been 19 years, people. Go see it. Don't be like me. Yeah, it <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. Like I said, Spirited Away, written, d- directed and drawn by Hayao Miyazaki. Beautiful, beautiful film. I am very jealous, Brooker. I'll be honest. I'm very jealous mm-hmm. that you got to watch this film for the first time. I really wish I could go back and watch this film again for the first time. I would love your thoughts as you jumped into the movie, your experience 
experiencing it. I don't know. Just just tell me, like, just just diving into it. I don't know how familiar you are with the zero the Japanese animated world. Zero. Not even just Miyazaki films. That you haven't experienced anything like that. I haven't. I am so uh, like this was just just a completely different wheelhouse for me to go into. Um, yeah. So I was super unfamiliar with just everything. Um, and I'll tell you the so like, me watching this for the first time, the first like thirty to forty minutes, I was just like hooked like i was i was you know i was just drawn in as soon as they got to the amusement park uh with with uh her and her parents i was just like oh man like what's going on it's kind of like the whole like jj abrams thing where like he just keeps introducing new mystery boxes and you're going what's this what's that how's that connected um Mm -hmm. and i was just like, like the hook got me real real good um and something that i really liked about this movie that i actually normally complain about but i liked it here was that it had pretty quick pace um you know Mm. it's you know it's you know they find this uh, they find this abandoned amusement park then we get our main one of our main uh conflicts of the movie you know her parents turn into pigs and then she finds haku and uh is that his name haku haku yeah yeah she finds haku and haku is you know guiding her helping her through this and the whole time you're just you're slowly but quickly or actually no you're quickly going seeing this the spirit world you're like man what is this and he's like he's giving her all these rules you gotta get a job and you get that or else they'll turn you to an animal and blah 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 and it's mm. i was just like man this is like like, like I, was, I was like man it's only been like 15 20 minutes but like so much has happened mm. uh this movie does not waste time it just gets right mm. to it and i that's something i kind of disorients me normally in movies uh that was like one of my mm. complaints with the first time i watched rogue one but like mm. here, I was like, "Oh man, this is like, this is awesome!" Like, like I'm on, I'm on a, like a fast ride. That's how I felt. That's so that's so fascinating. That's so interesting because for for me, Miyazaki films are so much less. I I mean, I I feel like you get into this Disney animated feature pace. This idea you just you know pick your poison, DreamWorks, you know whatever, mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox. But Disney kind of being the poster child of all things animated films. <laughs> right. And it's just kind of here and there into the next one and go. And it's just like, okay, this thing and then something else happens. And then this conflict and this conflict and this resolution and a new conflict and blah, 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 blah. But for this one, it, it started off and they were just – they were in a car ride. And you took seconds where they you actually were looking. It was just music and them looking out the window. Mm-hmm. And then there was the period of them walking through the tunnel and – you had this period of, you know, how 45 seconds of them walking through the tunnel and there was faint music, but you could just hear footsteps. And then a panoramic of the of the house that they went into and then they go to the other side and you have this panoramic of the field that they're in and the breeze washing over the, the grass. And it, all, it felt to me like every time I watch one of his films, it's always slower or at least it feels slower, but it doesn't feel slow. Does that make sense? So I think yeah, it, it, yeah. it was everything was very purposeful. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that, and but I, I get, I guess, like you know what you're saying in the opening, them in the car. But I feel like you know we're getting a lot of quick exposition there in the car. You know, we're finding out very quickly that they're moving from an old, from from another city. She's going to be you know experiencing new school and everything, and uh, she's talking about oh man, my first bouquet, uh, bouquet, and it's a goodbye you know present. How sad is that? And you know right. 
just very quickly you're you're finding out they're moving the kid is really unhappy about it she's nervous and scared yeah and then and then you know our first mystery box is them stumbling upon the amusement park which happens pretty quickly i feel like yeah. if this movie were made today or maybe if it was like live action we would have had the first 10 minutes like because like all that happened well i just i feel like that's like in the first five minutes like mm. until they get to the amusement park maybe uh but i feel like if this were like live action or made today that it would be a solid 10 to 12 minutes of just kind of very slow exposition maybe you're seeing them pack up the house and like you're it's mm. like kind of slow and they're saying goodbye to old friends whatever and then like 10 minutes later is when like we're finally getting on the road to mm. the amusement park does that make sense mm. yeah so, yeah i get that that's an interesting so, perspective i've never heard that before and i don't mean to say that this was rushed because i don't think that this was rushed i just right. it, it like it was just to me it was fast paced and i like that um, yeah. it was like it just like kept me going i was like going from a to b to c to d to d to e like it was right it was good what did you think about watching this movie and it being 100 percent drawn you know by a human it's all mm-hmm. drawn and the the vast majority of it being drawn by the writer and director himself who by the way as he makes his movies the it's it's so it's so fascinating how he he goes about making these films mm-hmm. where the, there is no script. He has an I know, idea. That's crazy. He has a concept and he just starts drawing and writing and going and he decides what the conclusion of the story will be as it unfolds in real time. So knowing that this is all kind of the love child of of this man's heart and mind did that uh, I don't know. Does that add anything to it? Like, is there like I don't know? There's just this magic to it. I don't know if it did it feel I, different to you at all compared to other animated films, or was it just kind of an, an animated film just by itself? What, what would you think about that? I kind of think that because um, I, I didn't know that until after I watched the movie that this director he doesn't write scripts, and you know his his process is that as soon as he gets a storyboard together like not even completed just he's just started a storyboard is when he starts production and he's just kind of loosely making up as he's going along and loosely is i mean he has an idea of what the arc he wants i'm pretty sure but that kind of made sense to me because i feel like the i I don't know if you if you'll like this but i feel like the end of the movie happens very quick like like Mm. they wrap up the plot pretty quickly towards the end Um, yes yes so and to me and that really stuck out to me when i was watching it because i was just like because you know she goes she figures out she so she does like the witch's challenge and she figures out her parents are none of the pigs but then that's it like there's no like the witch going well i'm going to keep them anyways or any sort of other i feel like if that was like done today there would have been some other the witch would have backed out of her deal and then there would have been some other thing she had to do or whatever, but it was just like, Oh yeah. Right. Okay. You won. You, you, you yeah. really, really got me. You outsmarted me. And then, you know, I wrapped it kind of quick. Yeah. Like a little bit more like a line kind of like very, very clearly like the good beats the bad kind of thing. Like yeah, a little bit yeah, more this, defined. Yes. And I really felt like that as I was watching this, I was like, okay, they're probably like, all right, we're getting on two hours, guys. We need to wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's like something I felt like that as soon as she gets to the like the the twin, the witch's twin's house, uh, Granny, 
um mm-hmm. i felt like the movie was wrapping up pretty quickly uh, as yeah. soon as we get there right um but uh yeah so then now knowing that he doesn't have a definite script as he's making these kind of maybe makes a little bit of sense or maybe at the same time he's just even had the right script this movie's still two hours and he's like okay right. I, I gotta wrap it up real quick you know i don't want this to be you know titanic i don't want this to be two and a half hours we know we gotta <laughs> we gotta wrap yeah. it up I think I think a lot of it is you know we kind of have this this conception of how film is kind of supposed to be like mm-hmm. this you know you have your beginning your middle and your end and that's how it goes and the story is progressing honestly it progresses at a pretty steady pace but I feel like our brains are expecting a clear lines drawn from this is the hero become you know the, the hero's journey and then you they hit the point where the hero realizes it's his or her purpose and then you defeat the enemy and then it's done but it all kind of squishes all together something mm-hmm. that uh Miyazaki in his uh in his studio Studio Ghibli I think it's technically called Studio Ghibli but I American butcher, <laughs> but it's Studio Ghibli, they have made a good point to never ever, well, not ever, but most of their characters, you can't, aren't completely good or completely bad. You can empathize with them in some respects. Even mm-hmm. Yubaba, who is the witch at the top of the castle that owns the bathhouse, and they're like, ooh, watch out for her. She hates humans. She's going to get you, Chihiro. Chihiro still goes up there, works for her, helps this this hurting river spirit get cleaned, and y- Yubaba is like, Chih- uh, or at that point her name is um her name is Sin, and there's like follow Sin's uh, example. She's how everybody should be like, and you're like, oh okay, so this is kind of like a boss that's helping this. There's you know so even Yubaba, who is the closest thing to a villain we really get, isn't. Mm-hmm really a villain she's just kind of has these tendencies toward greed and selfishness but she still has like cares for her child and cares for her employees to some respect and desires to care for patrons even though it's a desire to get money but like that that kind of that line we're expecting it to be where's the bad guy where's the defeat but there isn't one you know where's the good guy there's just kind of this slow advance, which I honestly believe is on purpose. But uh, anyway, we, we're going through. They, uh, we were saying, they went to this this amusement park, mm-hmm. and their parents go to eat food. They find some free food, uh, which there's a cool there's a cool shot where her with where Chihiro's father is standing in the middle of the street. And there's two signs, you know, a lot of these signs are wearing away, but there's two signs, uh, and one sign in, uh, I guess it's Japanese, one sign says, mm-hmm. uh, heaven, and one sign says, is this symbol for the devil? It's like a devil symbol, and he walks under, oh, under the curtain towards the devil symbol to eat the food, which is just a fun little ad to be like, ooh, something bad's gonna happen. And you notice oh. while they're walking through here, all these signs are have all these like negative statements and Chihiro notices them and it's kind of like something's – she notices. She's like there's something off. Um, they eat this food. They turn into pigs and mm-hmm. Chihiro's running around and we have all – you know, it becomes night and there's this transformation in this uh, amusement park and we see all these spirits come out. 
and all the lights get beautiful and everything is kind of transforming. And we meet, uh, shortly before this point, this character named Haku, who is helping Chihiro survive or, you know, uh, navigate this world because apparently right. humans are not allowed to be allowed to be around. They don't they don't like humans very much. Yes, and I found that interesting, and um, so I, that was something I was like trying to figure out the whole time was because you know we see like Haku and uh, Sen, uh, yeah, Ch- kind of like Chihiro, the, either one. Yeah, Chihiro Sen, the woman that was helping her out, but they were saying like, "Oh my goodness, you're a human!" But I was like, "Aren't y'all human too?" Because they look like humans, but we kind of find out like Haku is really a dragon or like the spirit of a river, right. river spirit, right. and. They're kind of just taking the form of these humans. And I found that interesting that here in this, the working, what almost looks like, they're, I don't think they're slaves, but what looks like to be like an enslaved working class are humans mm. while they're serving these other spirits that are taking the form of animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found that very, very interesting and in that, you know, they're talking about or just kind of like looking like, you know, the humans are the working class here in this world. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that's like a, this might be a leap or a stretch, but you know, like that humans are kind of ruining things for these other spirits, like the river spirit mm. and like these other animal spirits that we're seeing that, you know. And, you know, is this because, is this why that amusement park is now haunted? Because it was built on this really beautiful uh, landscape in front of this river and it you know did it pollute this area mm-hmm. did it you know bring you know trash and everything yeah. and is that why they've it's now abandoned because these spirits have somehow taken over it and this is where they kind of use it as their portal yeah to their land to clean up in this bathhouse I, I thought it was all interesting uh to to think about yeah and maybe i'm looking too much into the weeds. no I don't no know. i think you should always look into the weeds the most interesting stuff is always in the weeds yeah it's interesting <laughs> you say haunted because that is kind of like our American idea of like, oh, there's spirits there. It's a haunted land. But mm-hmm. there's this, and again, I, I'm not going to speak too much into Eastern religion because I don't know it well enough to really just like speak their identity right now. But a lot of the stuff that I've read and just the information I've heard from the story, it's a lot of kind of this homage to the Shinto faith, which is one of the bigger faiths in the mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in the in the Eastern part of the world over there with. Uh, uh, kind of this belief that every there's there's spirits in everything like mm-hmm. you know we see these these little ducks and frogs walking around there's a radish spirit there's like food spirits and river spirits and tree spirits and these people come and kind of kind of show themselves in these clothing but they start off as just kind of these these nondescript black blobs and for some reason Chihiro is transported into this spirit realm I'm honestly not 100% sure how or why, but yeah. she's transported there and they can smell like like they can smell humanity. Mm-hmm. Like it they can it's like humanity's not supposed to be there. And you mentioned like the human you know these people being enslaved by in this bathhouse by Yubaba or whatever. And we kind of get to that a little bit where we, the the narrative of you signing a contract Mm-hmm. And Yubaba takes your name and the kind of your takes your identity away from you and imposes her own identity on on you. So Chihiro is this is this girl's actual name, 
and her new name is Sin that she gives mm-hmm. her, which is just a piece of her old name, which, by the way, Chihiro means a thousand searches, huh. and Sen is just a thousand. So she becomes this human with with a name that has a meaning to becoming just a number. She comes, goes from so a thousand searches to just a thousand. And so she's known as a thousand, like you are number one thousand. Um, and so the, all these people are, are kind of – it's interesting, too, because they're not necessarily pulled into this life. They go to Yubaba and say – she says, I want a job. And she says, okay, I own you now. And mm. uh, this kind of search to ha- you know, find their identity again. Is but, it bad that as soon as you said that like her name is changed to a 1,000, like just a 1,000, my first thought was codename Kids Next Door. She's like Agent 1,000 now. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was like the first thing No, that that's not bad at all, dude. <laughs> but it would be – it. well, her name would be N-U-M-B-A 1,000, so Numba 1,000. Numba 1,000. Numba 1,000. Dude, oh, codename Kids Next Door. What a throwback, man. Oh man, that's I'm, a good show. That's I mean, a, this was this show. Uh, Spirited Away was in two thousand and one, and gosh, Codename Kids in the Store had to have been early two thousands. Oh, I'm looking it up. Uh, Maybe mid two thousands. I don't know. I am looking it up. What's your final guess? I'm gonna guess two thousand and three. Two thousand and two to two thousand and eight. Oh. Dang, that show was on for six years. All right, that's pretty solid. That out is, of the. F- out of the five codenamed Kids Next Door characters, the main ones, did you have a favorite? Oh, uh, number one and number... Oh, shoot. Was it number four? Yeah, it was number four. He was really cool. He had, like, the, the one... bowl cut. You never yeah, saw yeah, his yeah, yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. He's, and I loved how he did his... You know, they all had, like, cool signatures for how, like, they did their numbers with their hands. He just did, like... He did, like, index and pinky on each hand. He's like, yeah, number four. Oh, I just, oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I went, yeah, I went I, back and forth. I like number one a lot. No reason I like, need to know any of that. <laughs> no, no, no. You have to. You have to know that. Number one was up there, and number five was also up there. I like her a lot. She was she Number was five was really cool. Underrated, She was really sure. cool. Before dissecting more, do you want to transition into drinking rules? Oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> drinking rules uh do you care if i start off because i have like one uh that uh i kind of really want to talk about please all right so my first drinking rule is whenever haku gives shakiro a rule and okay. he's giving her rules throughout the movie um but especially like right when she or right when they meet he's like you need to eat food of this world. You cannot breathe on the bridge. You must get a job. Um, yeah. I, I also so like those were the the first three rules that kind of happened pretty quickly about blending into the spirit role uh, world. Um, I wonder if this was a metaphor for like the real world or just how like maybe like the Chinese or I'm sorry Japanese culture of uh, you know getting jobs because like you know here you know he's saying take food of this world and i wonder that you could take that as like you know learn what you can here mm. uh don't breathe on the bridge don't stop to i kind of took that as don't stop to relax you know hit the bricks get a job mm. and he says get a job or you'll become an animal so mm. you know you know if you're not you know employed or being a productive member of society you're just an animal mm. uh those are some like the quick things i took like from this movie from haku just giving her these rules yeah. of how to survive in this new world 
Uh, yeah, I read I read a brief comment on uh, on that a little bit. I know that uh, when this was this was this movie was made back in the early 2000, 2001, um, it was shortly kind of in the middle of or near the conclusion of the uh there's like a, a like the the economy of Japan collapsed or something like that there was kind mm. of this this economic dip in Japan and this idea of kind of it went from people working together to people just trying to salvage what they could and being like you know grab what you can kind of this this visual of like her parents eating like oh there's food grab food it's it's right here we'll pay later uh we got to get this food mm. you know and kind of them becoming pigs and this kind of self obsession uh it's just one interpretation of it but yeah kind of this get a job get in here get a part of the system because if you don't you're human they'll smell it on you you're going to get eaten alive like they'll mm -hmm. kick you out get in the system now uh is i mean cuz at that point he's still uh he doesn't know his own name and he's kind of still working for you, Baba. He's not a bad person. Like, like I said, he there's moments where he kind of like, kind of attacks Chihiro, and there's moments where he's helping her. Like, literally, Chihiro says it at one point where uh, she looks at Lynn, which is this this uh, woman who's kind of helping her oh, that's it. find her way. Lynn. She says, "Lynn, are there two Hakus? Like, are there is there another person that looks like Haku?" And she's like. No, I can only stand like there's only one. I could barely barely stand him. He's just one person, and she's kind of like, right. oh, like one moment he's really nice, and one moment he's like really mean, and he's like snappy, and like he's like call me Master Haku, and she's like, uh, you know what's going on? So yeah, there's uh, that again one interpretation of it, but yeah, that's it is. I think I think you're kind of on the money. The holding your breath across the bridge one, uh, I for the life of me cannot figure that out. I know there's like that superstition of like holding your breath when you walk past a graveyard or like even kids holding their breath to, to not be seen. Uh, Cause there is throughout this whole movie, this theme of Chihiro's character growth, which is uh, I'll touch on here in a second. Cause I think this is the, mm -hmm. the biggest part of this movie and the most important part of this movie, but yeah, her kind of, uh, holding her breath not to be seen and no one can see her if she's holding her breath but you know the moment she takes her breath oh we see you so I don't know but that that's a really good thought and any you said anytime there's a rule take a drink yes yeah uh, Haku's always giving her rules yeah. throughout this whole movie so like you know whenever she gets a new rule yeah um, I had whenever there's a transformation so like the, the witch kind of transforms into that bird and then, you know, back into herself. Yeah. Haku transforming to the dragon, vice versa. The parents turning to pigs. Mm. Lots of, you know, animal tra transformations in this. Uh, so I said, you know, whenever that happens, take a drink. Uh, the, oh, in my notes, I just wrote down black spirit, but that's no face. Um, <laughs> so whenever no face just, you know, appears like, out of thin air, mm. not just walks on screen, but just appears mm. uh, because is does it have a gender is it he or is it kind of just like it i think it's hard do we i think it's just it uh it? yeah okay. i think it's just so yeah it. whenever it appears uh and i also had for no face whenever it eats someone yeah yeah <laughs> it's just yeah. gobbling up people uh or spirits yeah and then my last my last one is uh, whenever whenever somebody is forcing somebody else to eat something in mm. this movie there's a lot of that yeah uh so f force eating and eating people uh <laughs> right those are good yeah I, I we overlapped on a couple of them i had when you see a transformation 
of some nice. kind. When No Face eats somebody, uh, so what he falls, you take a drink. Um, every time Chihiro trips or falls or hits something <laughs> or or knocks hits her forehead on something or you know. Oh man, yeah, she is. Uh, Lynn even calls her clumsy or klutz. In yeah, this too. Yeah, yeah, she's always falling. She like the fall- the one that like the one that got me was when she, I think she was like running down this like pipeline or something uh-huh. or no no she's running down the stairs yeah. to go to the boiler room i think and she just like slams into the walls i was like oh god that, that would hurt so much I was, my nose started hurting <laughs> as soon as i saw that and she kind of <laughs> she kind of like just kind of hugs the wall she sees the frog come just, out like, and like smoke away. a cigarette she like yeah kind of sneaks on the wall on her way around yeah uh i yeah. i also had so this was the big thing for me when i first watched it not even trying to find themes or whatever this movie, actually, you mentioned the stair part. That was the first moment that my brain kind of felt that. You know, whenever you have like a memory of something and you feel your the front of your brain get fuzzy, trying to like yeah. like pull your mind back to a time where you remembered remembering a memory of a memory or whatever. I mm-hmm. that movie is constructed. It's like a dream. It's like a dream that I've had before, or that like this huh. like I. Her or when she's on the bridge and she looks over the bridge and there's it's just this deep drop with a train underneath it and all of a sudden it gets dark outside or she's yeah. going into the boiler room and then she's into this new world like I was like I know I've had it this is something like a dream I've had before so if that's if if any of our listeners would relate to that take a drink if you are watching it and you realize oh my gosh this is like a dream state almost which in some instances it kind of is. And then this is, this is. Uh, I said every time you catch yourself smiling, take a drink, because um, okay. it is so, it is so hard for me not to just grin watching this movie because it is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Um, oh yeah, like just the the drawing and the flow and it's calm. It's actually. So th- there's a word for it. This word, it's uh, I-, I assume it's just called ma. It's M-A. It's a word that Miyazaki uses to describe the empty space between scenes. So his whole comment is that there's uh, these these Disney movies and these, these 21st century animated films, even late 20th century animated films, are so fast and so quick, and they're like... Like uh, Martin Scorsese calls the uh, the Avengers movies, they're like a roller coaster. These superhero movies, it's just like a roller coaster. There's no yeah. stopping, you know. Miyazaki says, you know, if you if there's just constant tension and there's constant this constant rush of action, it just feels numb. There's no time to feel or process or, or anything. But if you take time in your in your viewing experience to breathe and to relax mm-hmm. it allows the tension to build it allows you to kind of fall deeper into the into this world that he's created he calls it ma and it's the quiet it's the quiet scenes without any action that's just like the moments where chihiro is sitting on the balcony and just kind of looks out in the water and you just see waves or like a bird flying or you the the yeah, the ca- wind over the grass or uh her sitting in the field just kind of sitting there watching you know looking at the the scenery or whatever just those moments Mm -hmm. of of quietness and it's hard not to smile because it's just so it's just so peaceful no no that's that's great uh that you know that you're bringing that up uh and it's 
kind of like what I'm taking it. You know, it's like times the ma. It's like times in the movie where it's, it's just letting you breathe. Yeah, and just observe this world that you, the audience, are in for you know this short amount of time. Um, that's that's really cool. I like that. And you're right; it does look great. Um, one of the this was my scenes that we'll talk about maybe a little bit later. But one of the scenes I was just like my jaw was just dropping was when uh was when she first goes to the witch's uh, like penthouse or whatever in the bathhouse and she's just going through all these rooms and these hallways mm. it's just so decorative so much color mm. and it was yeah it was really cool but yeah we'll talk about that a little bit later but yeah no i definitely get the ma that you're talking well i guess that example isn't really ma but i get what you mean about how this is just a beautiful I, I, illustration i mean it can be like the the moment where she gets off on the top floor and the radish spirit like took mm-hmm. her up to the top and goes back in the elevator and she's kind of standing there for a second looking at this and you kind of get a pan of like the the tapestries on the wall and the 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 vases or whatever the urns everywhere whatever you want to call them and yeah mm-hmm. I, I think that counts as ma it's just kind of empty like no music just kind of quiet yeah i think that I yeah it does for sure for sure for sure for sure yeah those are good drinking rules uh, i like those a lot but like you said the last where we left off her running down the stairs hitting the wall making her way into the boiler mm-hmm. room to meet uh the boiler man uh, who, in my opinion, the uh, uh, Kamaji is his name. Kamaji, Kamaji the Boiler Man. He is probably outside of Chihiro. He's probably my favorite character. Really? Oh my gosh, I love him. He's just like this, this, this guy who is in the same room for ninety-five percent of the film. Doesn't move, doing the same job over and over and over again. This girl comes in, the sweet, sweet girl comes in and says, please give me a job. And she's, he says, I don't need you to do a job. And then Lynn comes in and is like, oh my gosh, you're the human. I'm going to take you to you, Baba. They're looking for you. And he's like, oh no, that's my granddaughter. He's looking for, she's looking for a job. Like protects this sweet girl and this just kind, this okay. kind hearted man. I don't know. He's, he's one of, he's the most underrated character in the movie, in my opinion. He's just a sweet guy. That that's a let's talk a little bit more about that scene because uh, i really like this this uh, when she gets to the boiler room mm. with him um so i know something i was going to ask you was is she really his granddaughter or was he covering for her i couldn't tell when i was watching this but i guess uh he was just covering for covering her. for her yeah there's there's no relation she just wanted to he was just making sure she didn't get in trouble okay and this was this was a cool scene really um I feel like we we saw a lot of uh, Shakiro's uh, humanity in this, because uh, with the those uh, those like soot spider creature things that were carrying coal yeah. uh, to the furnace, uh, and we see that she you know she helps one of them that's too weak to to carry the coal or whatever. Mm. But uh, it was it was I thought that was like really nice, and then this was also where uh, that man sees that she is a good soul or good spirit and so he's you know he he really uh sticks his neck out Mm -hmm. for her uh to cover for her then um i I thought all this was was cool and we're kind of see and this is also uh, would you this would you say that this is kind of like the heart of the the bathhouse because he's is it is this like where he's controlling where the water's going yeah he's he's the Uh, one in charge of distributing the water where it needs to go and and he's mixing mm -hmm. all the herbs and stuff together and putting them in the in the water and whatever so yeah, they send those little tiles down, the bath tiles down to him, and then he transports the water to the necessary spot in the bathhouse where it needs to go. So yeah, the heart, the heart mm-hmm. of it, 
yeah, I would say that kind of the heart of the the gut of the bathhouse for sure. Yeah, I, I just thought it was just super cool that we're kind of because I think that we get yeah because we kind of see through Shakira's eyes we're we're exploring or experiencing this bathhouse for the first time from the inside out. Yeah. So we because I think she goes straight to the spoiler room almost. Yeah. Or almost straight to it. Yeah. And then, you know, we kind of see the next day her working in there and everything. So we kind of see it from the inside out. So we kind of see how all the workers and all, you know, what all is going into it. And now we're seeing the customers that are coming in. And, right. Uh, kind of like the grossness that they have to do, you know, scrubbing these baths and mm. everything. Um, it, it, was, it was interesting to kind of see it from the inside out as opposed to her coming in. And I, I'm shocked that like Haku at first to just be like just pretend to be a customer and just just go get a bath and just like just lay low for like the night. Mm. Uh, but instead he's just like no no you need to go get a job you need to you know we need to throw you into this we you need to put we need to make you a cog in this machine. Um, it was interesting, but uh, yeah, I, I really like that part in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and she makes her way out of the boiler room and goes right up to Yubaba, which is so funny because. Um... Haku was like, don't go to Yubaba, get a job with the boiler man. And the boiler man's like, hey, just go up to Yubaba and tell her you want a job and <laughs> you'll get it. And she's like, okay. Goes up to Yubaba. Yubaba's like, I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. And she's persistent. And she goes, okay, fine. I'll give you a job. And she has to sign her name away. And so her name is no longer Chihiro. It's Sin. And so she yeah. uh, is taken down by Haku, who now kind of has this kind of air of of uh uh sin kind of senses this meanness about him or this authoritative kind of side to him where she mm-hmm. goes down he's like hey if she doesn't work boiler for all i care i don't care you know do but you know she has to work down here yeah. and she's kind of like oh gosh and gets put under the care of lynn again and lynn is really kind to her and helps get her clothes and things like mm-hmm. that and um she, you know, helps find her a place to sleep and all that stuff. And so she kind of gets into the system and starts working as uh, one of these people who is uh, cleaning everything, cleaning the, uh, uh, the whatever you call them, the hot tubs or whatever. And the, ba- <laughs> the, the different pools in the bathhouse. And they have to go and clean this, like, absolutely disgusting the biggest one and it's yeah. just gross oh yeah yeah no it was it was rough um i really liked that i guess i'll just circle back to Please. it now i really liked this the scene where she she is actually going up to yubaba's that's the witch yes. right the yubaba sorry i feel like nate during our scream episode i now <laughs> understand just <laughs> how much trouble he was having keeping with all the names for seeing a movie for the first right. time right. um but um so I thought that this was beautiful uh, just because, you know, all of those to, to like this penthouse, like four layers of doors mm. open and each room is so different and unique. And there's just so much bright or not really bright. There's so much just, just good color in mm. this. And we're seeing her just zoom through all this. And it there's so many just it, it just looks like luxury almost, mm. you know, like I feel like. Somebody who's very rich, this is how they would decorate their penthouse. Mm. And this was really good. But as soon as we meet the witch, I get so, I, the witch, Yubaba, made me so uncomfortable. Yeah. There are so many things because I get really freaked out about illustrations that show, like, just illustrations of humans that are, like, very odd. Because, like, yeah. she's 
she's basically like all head yes uh she's just she's like just this potato yeah and it just like it just makes my skin crawl like i just i was so uncomfortable with her and that big ass baby was freaking me out and also those three green rolling heads what the heck this was i was like this is a nightmare i am so i'm freaking out and (laughs) cat even says she's like those rolling heads are kind of like dogs they're kind of like just running around and like they're not really barking but like that's like what they're doing and Cats like are those just like just just like her dogs? Like it was, uh, I don't know why it was. I was just like, oh my gosh, I am so uncomfortable. I, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but visually that was just awesome. Just seeing all of that was great, and I really liked the, uh, uh Ubaba. Just like we see her kind of like use her witchcraft to like physically take uh, Shakira's printed name off of the contract she's like i own it it's like a it was a good visual to like see like like not like you know legally or whatever she owns her name but she's like no i i actually own your name and you and we later find on that like these people end up forgetting who they were because of this um yeah it was all all super cool oh yeah very very yeah you get up into yubaba's office and you see all this these new creatures and you're kind of, you know, you succumb back into the, Oh my gosh, this is a whole nother world. Like, Oh my goodness. And that's kind of, if you have this approach, like I said, kind of this, this modern approach to film, you're kind of like, Oh, the hero meets the bad guy. Uh, but even then we're kind of, we see her like caring for a baby and we're like, wait, what? And she's like, okay, fine. I'll give you a job. Okay. I'll, I'll give you, I'll make sure that you can have a job. And you're like, wait, okay. That kind of twists everything around a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But they're down there. Uh, she gets to work, and she's trying to figure it out. That's where she meets, gets to see uh, No Face for the first time, and she sees him kind of standing out there in the rain, and she's like, "Oh, you know, her sweet, sweet self is like, oh, you know what? I'll leave the door open for you." And uh, I- I'm not 100 percent sure on if you know, there's something about No Face. I think he had to be invited in. Like he was just kind of loitering outside, but. The only is he kind of like a vampire? Yeah, I, you have to be invited. I guess so. I don't know, but he didn't go in until I, I keep calling her Chihiro Sen. She's Sen at that point until Sen invites him in, and for the rest mm-hmm. of the time, No Face is constantly just trying to gain the affection of Sen and just trying to get love from Sen. So this this is my take on No Face. Um, I thought just first off. No face looks really cool. I think mm-hmm. I thought this was probably like, the coolest looking character we got, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But um, I think it's because it reminds me so much of of Ghostface from Scream. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a freak. Yeah, oh my gosh, right, dude. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I can't go a podcast without bringing that up. That's anyways, okay. Um, I so kind of what you're saying. I th- I think like Shakira or, or Sin was like the first being to show some sort of affection to no face and you know we're later finding out that no face is very lonely Mm -hmm. and it's feeding this this void by just just eating everything and everyone but you know it obviously can't get filled Mm -hmm. um and it even tries to lure people to be with it by like uh uh, teasing them with you know this fake gold that it's able to produce Uh, you know, it kind of reminds you of that person who like has like a shit personality, mm. but you know th- they're surrounded by friends or whatever just because they pay for everything. Mm. You know, that's kind of like um, 
what that kind of like reminded me of and it's, and it's sad but it wasn't until the end you know because no face is trying to figure out where they where it belongs you know who who, who is its family yeah. and, and which is what i was getting out of this and at the end uh shin all ultimately helps no face find this by introducing shen to granny like the good witch mm-hmm. and that's where no face finds its place mm-hmm. um and that to me was kind of like one of the messages from this movie was just you know the the, the sense of just find trying to figure out where you belong mm-hmm. and what you should be doing yeah. um and so like obviously and it's not because like a class thing but no face didn't belong at the bathhouse and i mean i'm trying to like say that in a way like it wasn't because no face is poor and like can't afford a bathhouse and just because you're poor doesn't mean you shouldn't be there but that obviously just wasn't where no face was meant to be and he was or it was meant to be with uh, granny and uh, th- that's like where his purpose was so now hopefully his void starts to feel a little bit more filled yeah. and i kind of took that as like one of the messages just finding where you're supposed to be yeah yeah i think a filling a void i think is a good way of putting it like he's just this tortured soul that's trying to figure out what's you know i i, I was gonna say who he is but that's not necessarily it just fi- i guess find happiness i don't know and he he's being praised yeah. and celebrated because he's giving people gold but then he goes to the person that he ke- by all accounts cares about most and is like gets produces this giant pile of gold and everybody gasps gasps because it's so much gold and she's like no thank you i don't want it uh and feeds him this mm-hmm. uh this th- uh you know this piece that he got she gets from the river spirit which we'll touch on for a second or in here in a second yeah. and uh he starts throwing everybody up and ends up following her uh to uh the train station um and kind of Tran- kind of the, the, her his journey from I say his its journey from this desire to be loved by everyone around him I say him again lo- everyone around no face um, to just being kind and just you know for this whole train ride to Granny's house just sitting next to sitting next to Sen and just you know she says come sit next to me and he just kind of sits and enjoys the presence of mm-hmm. his friends and. And they walk to the, you know, Granny's house, and No Face is very kind. And you know, Granny's like, "You stay with me," and loves on him. So yeah, this kind of filling of the void and recognizing that you can just treasure life because it's life, as opposed to, "Oh, look at all this stuff I can get," you know. But just enjoying it for what for what it is. But, um, right, yeah. Chihiro gets this piece. I don't even know what it is. It's like this this ball, because a, you know, what we learn is a river spirit comes in Mm -hmm. and looking to you know and he smells and no one wants to serve him but uh yubaba welcomes him in and and sen kind of helps him and gives him a bath token and cleans him uh and they they pull all of this junk out of his body like there's an old bike and the last like you know just i saw a swing set and bottles and trash and the last (laughs) thing that she pulls out is like this fishing wire like pops the fishing wire out and this river spirit thanks thanks sin leaves her with this little orb and, Uh and wanders off which hayao miyazaki the most consistent theme that you see in his films is or one of the most consistent at least is this desire to take care of living things which is humanity Mm -hmm. sure but also 
nature, you know, anything that grows, animals, trees, plants, and this commentary on, you know, not 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 anti-industry, but just a a recognition that as we progress, we're still called to take care of our planet. Um, which is kind of this this duality that we see. It's it's more prominent. It's not as prominent in this film. It's more prominent mm-hmm. in other films like My Neighbor Totoro, or uh, that, that's a big one. My Neighbor Totoro's, Totoro is very uh, uh, nature based, uh, as well as uh, Princess Mononoke. That's a huge nature based one. Um, even Castle in the Sky. But there's this duality between uh, Yubaba, the Witch of the Bathhouse. And Zaniba, which is the granny in the in the woods that you take the train down, where you have this woman who is this witch who is wanting to get gold and jewels and always looking at her her possessions. Can I get more gold? Can I get more? Oh, I want to steal your name. I want you know this this picture of industry. And even whenever uh, near the end of the uh, uh, closer to the second half of the movie, uh, Haku comes up to Yubaba and says something. Yeah, something precious to you has been altered. And she goes, what? And she immediately picks up a gold nugget and looks at it and examines it. What mm-hmm. Haku was referring to was her child was uh, actually yeah. was turned into a mouse, and Chihiro had the mouse. And the, the thing that, was, that looked like her child was these three heads, these three bouncing heads <laughs> that had turned into the baby. Yes, you're drinking there because they're all transforming back into each other. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but her immediate, she doesn't look at her baby. She looks at the gold and just kind of shows you like her, the thing most precious to her is her wealth. And then you go to this Zaniba, her twin sister that lives in the woods and is simple. She's got like a fire going. She's knitting. It's just this gorgeous, like <laughs> very traditional home. She's still magical. She's still wise and, you know, authoritative, just like her sister. But she's kind of got a little bit of a kinder mm-hmm. heart. She's not trying to kick no face out. Oh, she, yeah. you know, Yubaba's like, she wants no face. Yeah, she says, I want no face to stay. I see value in him. Uh, yeah. This kind of, which is, again, this. This idea of it's that's still this kind of Shinto morality where uh, Miyazaki, uh, we don't know his faith. We don't know his his at least I don't. I haven't seen anything that where he like claims what he believes um, outside of like take care of people. But this this view that we should assume that that was a quote he had where he said, we you know. What if everything this isn't a direct quote, I'm paraphrasing. Treasure everything like there might be a spirit existing within it. What if a tree mm-hmm. had a spirit? What if, you know, what if all of humans had a spirit? What if this river had a spirit? Don't throw your bike in the river. What if someone threw a bike at you? You know, like that's that's not very mm-hmm. nice. And so recognizing the value of no face, recognizing the value of these little creatures like the little bird and the little mouse. And the the, the stink monster that came in, yeah. And the stink monster that came in, exactly, who was just, you know, this this representation of a river, a trashed, polluted river that uh, Chihiro wanted to clean, which was very, very, very sweet. Um, but yeah, there's this a constant duality of industry versus nature. Chihiro received this, like, spherical, nut-looking thing, like a ball, uh-huh. and used part of it to heal No-Face and part of it to heal... Haku. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember that now. And like they kind of like especially I remember when she gave it to Haku. Isn't that like what made him kind of like 
vomit out the the curse or the spell uh-huh. that the that the witch put on him mm-hmm. i saw when i was reading some trivia i, I don't know what it's called but that 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 thing that uh sin was making them eat is based on a real thing that i, I don't want to say like in japanese culture but like you know it's it, sure. it is a thing sure, that, sure, sure. That, that is known for like kind of like a kind of like a Anyways, what I'm getting to is that I don't know the name of it, <laughs> but uh, he I read that he said that it is like based on like this historical kind of like uh, antidote or uh, um, natural medicine that people would eat, right? And they would eat it because it would make you vomit, and people would take it if they think they've been poisoned, right. and just to you know vomit out the poison. So that is based off of a real kind of like herb or you know some sort of plant That's cool. thing that people would eat. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's like that's like one of the two fun facts I know about this movie. That's like <laughs> yeah, but that was the uh, that was kind of the next stage after they uh, no faces is, is kind of vomits everything out. This river spirit is cleaned, and uh, Sen discovers that something's going on with Haku and uh, is taking care of him and uh, leaves him with the boiler man. And he goes off to Granny's house, and we talked about that a little bit, where Granny uh, welcomes welcomes her in because uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sin is returning her golden seal, which I looked up a, a couple different things on that, and there are some theories that it's, you know, one way to take someone's identity is to take their name, which is kind of what the seal was. It was this stamp, like a representation of someone's signature, someone's name. So Yubaba oh, okay. was trying to take her twin sister's value as well from a distance um just just trying to 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 own um and then they spend some time with zaniba zaniba says you have to go back they get on chihiro gets on uh, haku's back and they start flying back and there's this constant uh recollection from chihiro where she's like i think i know haku i think i've known him before and uh, she remembers that he was uh, a river spirit, and she mm-hmm. he is essentially given the opportunity to be free. Where he says, "I know my name," and we find out this like now that he knows his name, he can like remove himself from Yubaba's service. But they they kind of have this <laughs> reconnection as lo- as like old friends. Yeah, yeah. It's, to me, it was kind of like that uh, part in Harry Potter where Harry gives Dobby a sock for, you know, from from Malfoy, and it's like I'm free. Dobby's free. But Harry's like, Hakku's free. I'm a river. Oh yeah. My gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. I can't believe that was the connection you made. That's so funny. That was the connection, dude. Kids next door and Harry Potter and Dobby. You know, that's what I'm. Breaking it uh, too. I mean, nothing wrong. Oh, with and that. scream too, because No Face looks like Ghost Face. I mean, I'm just yeah, man. I'm all Make over those the connections, place. man. Am, Make those connections. My brain is scrambled eggs, but um. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, they make their way back, and uh, before they had gone, Haku made this deal with Yubaba, like you had said, where uh, he would have brought the the child back, uh, Yubaba's child back, the big baby. So I'll bring him back, but you have to free Chihiro. You have to free her from her contract and free her parents. And he goes, she goes, fine, I will do that, but I get to give her one more test. They come back, mm-hmm. and, and the test is, which of the, she lines up a bunch of pigs and says, which of these pigs is uh, your parents? Chihiro says, none of them are my parents. And she's like, oh, you're right. And everybody cheers, and she leaves, 
and uh, Haku says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Yubaba and tell her I'm not gonna be her apprentice anymore. Go and don't look back." She goes back. Her parents are there. They go back to their mm-hmm. car, and there's like the trees are overgrown and the grass is overgrown and there's dust in the car. So apparently they've been in this dream world, the spirit world, for a long time. Yeah, and then they go along with their life before Chihiro kind of looks back for a moment and reminisces of her time I guess but there was one part that I failed to mention that I want to bring up that reminded me of something uh yeah so so in the very beginning when her and her parents discover the amusement park and the dad is just like oh man what's this oh man what's that and the dad is just like just exploring it he's like a kid in the candy shop you know he's just exploring everything I have yeah. such a relatable story to this. Um, when I was in high school, when I started to tour colleges, uh, uh-huh. you, you know Jerry Armbruster? Remember him? Uh, he was like one of my roommates, and he was in our league for a little bit, for like two seasons. What, what was what was his first name? Jerry Armbruster. He was like really okay, involved yeah, in yeah, young yeah. life. Yes, um, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. So in high school, when I was starting to tour colleges... Um, my buddy Jerry and his dad, uh, we, you know, his dad took me and Jerry to go like tour all these colleges. And anyways, and his dad was just like this dad in this movie, Spirited Away. He was like, wherever we like, when we'll go like tour these colleges, the Jerry's dad was just like going to the offices, going to the classroom. He's like, hey, who who, who could show us around? Like he was just like. Bar- he was just like <laughs> he was just like kicking down doors and going, "Hey, I'm taking my boys to like tour this college. Like, who 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 can like you know give us a tour?" He was just like, just and we were. He was like walking. He was like like twenty paces ahead of us, and we we're like, "What is like, dude? I think your dad's like way more excited about you going to college than you going to college than you are." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, man, I don't know." And so, but yeah, that's what it reminded me of. His his dad was just like barging down doors and like just going to offices, poking his head, and it's like, "Hey, is there anyone we could talk to?" You know, and <laughs> I yeah. feel like that's most parents, though. I really do. I mean, if if you're going to college, at least for me. I was like, yeah, college is, you know, I guess more people get, people get more excited about the next step. I was just kind of like, yeah, what's the next step? But yeah, parents are usually like, I got to get my kid in the best college. Hey, hey, this is about my child. Hey, hey, come here, come here. Hey, you're going to take care of my child right now. Okay. (laughs) And everybody else is like, yeah, like every other parent comes up and is like, I demand service of like, oh yeah, sure. Whatever. It wasn't like so much like demanding service. He's like, Hey, what's going on here? Like, 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 who who could I talk to? You know? And uh, I remember just like out of excitement. Yeah. Jerry was like, so embarrassed. Like, dad, you can't just like literally barge into these like people's (laughs) offices. And also, also, I wonder if part of it wasn't like, just like, I need my kid to go to the best school or whatever it's like i need my kid out of my fucking house like i need <laughs> oh dude totally oh my gosh yeah oh for sure i for need sure. my i need my home theater like get him out of here please like I... <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i want to convert his room into something i want it to be i don't want another bed in my house yeah <laughs> totally dude oh my gosh yeah my 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 dad's a little bit more soft-spoken so we went to college he was like hey man what do you want to do and i was like nah i don't know <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Like, I just did, like, the normal tour and, you know, kind of was like, whatever, college, whatever, you know. But then yeah. then I made it. Right. The the one thing about uh, that that really kind of threw me back in this in this movie, threw me back to kind of childhood, was some of the voices in this, mm-hmm. in this the, some of the voice actors in this movie. Uh, did you recognize the voice for Chihiro? Yes. Like, it was driving me crazy. Uh, Kat, 
kind of looked his name up. She's like, oh, yeah, you've just seen him in a bunch of stuff, but she didn't tell me what. Um, but his name sounded so familiar. No, the, not not for not for Haku, for Chihiro. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Haku definitely sounded really familiar. Chihiro did sound familiar, too, but, I, again, I couldn't really pinpoint it. Yeah, the uh, so Chihiro plays... Uh, you've seen Lilo and Stitch, right? Yes. She plays Lilo. No way. That's awesome. All this like Dis- yeah. Disney connections. Oh yeah, and Haku, the guy who voiced Haku, is the voice of uh, Max from Goofy Movie or uh, Extreme Goofy Movie. Oh, that's awesome! Isn't that great? Uh, that is awesome. That's Kat pointed out to me that the voice of Lynn, uh, she also voices Meg in Hercules. Oh my gosh, that's who it was. Oh, I yeah. knew, I knew I her like, voice. All these voice actors oh sounded gosh. familiar. I was like, ah, oh, it was killing me. The other one I knew right off the bat. Two more that I knew right off the bat. Uh, the guy who plays uh, one of the one of the uh, assistants, one of the managers of the bathhouse, is the one that comes dancing down the hall. I did the quote at the beginning where he's like, "The Richmond comes down the hall," and he's like <laughs> waving his flags or whatever. He's the same. Mm-hmm. It's uh, John Ratzenberger, who is the the person who is in every Pixar movie. He's the the oh, yeah. the same the voice that is in every single Pixar movie. Is he? Isn't he like Ham in he's Toy ham. Story? He's Ham in Toy yes. Story. He's the Abominable Snowman in Monsters Inc. He's the Underminer yes. in The Incredibles. He's oh my god the, the group of the group yeah. of fish in Nemo. The cluster of fish. School of fish. Come on. He's Pete. Just kidding. Yeah, school of fish. <laughs> cluster of fish. Oh my gosh. I'm educated. I promise. We're a civilized uh, <laughs> podcast. It's a school. I have a college of degree. Fish. Um. The, uh, <laughs> P.T. Flea from Bugs Life, stuff like that. And uh, the other person I thought, of, or that I knew right off the bat, the voice of the baby. Did you recognize that voice? No, I, uh, that baby is going to like just give me nightmares. Well, who, who was it? It was Tara Strong, and she she plays a ton of voices. She, uh, she was uh, Batgirl in the original Batman animated movie. She was Bubbles from uh, Powerpuff Girls. Uh, she was uh, Raven from Teen Titans. She's oh, uh, no way. Timmy Turner from Fairly Odd Parents. Uh, That's yeah. Oh my gosh. She so she's been in Disney, Cartoon Network, and Nickelodeon properties. That's yep. She, yep. she's done the trifecta. Oh yeah, and she was like in Rugrats, I think too. She's in a bunch of stuff, but yeah, those are some of the 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 voice peoples I recognize. And there's you know, whenever Miyazaki. Uh, was called, which I'll, I'll touch, there's layers to this statement, but Miyazaki was, has been called the, the Disney uh, of, the, of the East, like the, the Japanese Disney. The Walt Disney of the East. Yeah, kind of. Uh, which he takes, an, he takes as an insult, which I'll touch on here in a second. Right. But he, uh, the, you know, kind of, he's that level of animated uh, prowess. Uh, he's just w- worldly adored, uh, globally adored, I should say. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, whenever they make an English version, they usually have um, some pretty substantial voice actors. Like Mark Hamill voices a character in uh, uh, Castle in the Sky. Uh, same with uh, Shia LaBeouf. Whenever he was like fresh off of Holes, voiced a character. Like they get lots of, they okay. usually get some big names to, to come and voice people. Um, but he takes offense to that if he's like, oh, you're like the Walt, you're like the Walt Disney of, you know, of the East or whatever. And he takes offense to that because he sees Disney as just kind of like this giant jug, which it is this giant juggernaut that wants to kind of like no face, just eating everything in its path. 
and just wants uh, to consume. It's just people that work for Disney are just cogs in a machine. But if you work for Studio Ghibli, you're like you're valued and you have a personality and you get to bring yourself to the to the film or whatever. Granted, I'm sure that we have. I mean, if we have some listeners that know people that work for Disney, I'm sure they like Disney's a remarkable company to work for. This is just the perspective of like a uh, someone who kind of built this industry from just an adoration of art and a desire to to show the the love of nature and others to the world versus this company who kind of uh started off the back of this like industry man um and he's kind of like no i'm not disney i'm miyazaki don't call me disney and they're like okay okay yeah yeah i could see where yeah. like you know that would be insulting or you'd be like no no i'm um i'm not just like him i'm better right or, right i thought you were going to go with like him going i'm not anti-semitic oh but, that uh, too <laughs> I, I almost mentioned that but yeah that too like this you know oh really i, I thought about it I, yeah just kind of like yeah walt disney being an anti uh, anti-semite and uh his opinions that are very very much evil um but he did yeah. create some cool cartoons before we 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 kind of close it out, I wanted to talk about um fans of Film on the Rocks obviously enjoy a great download. Here's another. Substitute Angel, the multiple award-winning novel by Timothy Best, is now available at audible.com. While driving home in a snowstorm one night, paramedic Doc Watson hits a deer that runs across the road. At least he thought it was a deer. It actually turns out to be an angel, sent to prevent the murder of a young woman in the small northern Michigan town where Doc works. Now injured, she can't complete her mission, so she recruits a very skeptical Doc to intervene to try to save the young woman's life. But in the process, his life gets sucked into a whirlpool of danger and startling realizations. In Detail magazine wrote, Timothy Best weaves a touching tale evoking belly laughs and sobbing tears of joy that most novels only dream of producing. Substitute Angel is available in paperback, ebook, and now in audiobook. Substitute Angel by Timothy Best. Downloaded on your audible.com app today. And now, on with the show. You kind of mentioned your thoughts on the film. It like you talked about No Face and kind of finding filling the mm-hmm. void and like that 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 uh, lesson in the story being the most important. Something that Spirited Away specifically did, and Miyazaki tries to do this in a lot of his films, but specifically Spirited Away, is because um, originally he had, I believe, it was in '97. I think it was 1997. He had retired originally, and he jump he i mean he's he's retired like three or four times and then come out of retirement because he's like i gotta do one more or whatever (laughs) but he had um some friends who had some children some young some young girls and they they essentially asked him why are there not more uh people for us to look up to uh characters uh that we can relate to because most of the people you know again late 90s early 2000s most of the women uh, or the girl characters were these damsels in distress or these princesses that mm-hmm. had to be rescued by a prince or whatever. And so Miyazaki comes out of retirement and writes this movie written for specifically for this 10-year-old girl that talked to him Whoa! with no romance or, or like no romance or crush aspects to her. There's like uh, Chihiro and Haku 
are not romantic. They are friends and they and they they love each other. They are like long lost friends. Uh, this girl has no special abilities. She's very relatable. And the question that he would always ask himself as he was animating this film is, would my friend's daughter be capable of doing this? So if they're like, oh, Chihiro is going to run down these stairs and sneak in his way. Like, would my 10-year-old, my friend's 10-year-old daughter be capable oh, of this? Okay. He would ask himself that question to make it as relatable as possible. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a woman, obviously. And so I've, I've never <laughs> been starved for, like, role models in film because there's always like you know some sort of superhero or what have you so i asked uh i asked my wife i asked rachel i said you know because well, she saw this film when she was probably about uh i guess for the first time she's probably like six seven eight nine ten somewhere around there and i was like what did this film mean to you like as as a woman and she said she she it meant the world to her because other, it's funny you mentioned Harry Potter. Other than this movie, the only other person that she really had to like look up to was Hermione Granger in Harry Potter, as mm. she was reading. Which, by the by, J.K. J.K. Rowling was supposed like wrote Harry Potter with Hermione in mind to be the main character, but the mm. but the uh, publishing companies said no, no, no. You can't write a female lead because no one will buy the book and it won't be relatable. It needs to be a man, and so she mm -hmm. made. I did not know She that. made Harry the main character, the protagonist, but Hermione. She kind of gave all this knowledge. She Hermione is still one of the more powerful characters in the book, and Harry couldn't do what she, he did without Hermione. But um, this right. kind of level of yeah, Hayao Miyazaki was way ahead of his time. He he makes this movie in two thousand and one with kind of this message of, you know, work hard, be kind. And love others, like in a non-romantic kind of way. Mm -hmm. Then 2013 rolls around. Disney makes Frozen with the moral of the story being, again, spoiler alert: true love is the love between sisters or between siblings, as opposed to like between a man and a woman or a romantic love or whatever. Like true love mm -hmm. is is sacrificial love. And everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, Disney's amazing! They're way ahead of their time. They did it!" And Miyazaki did it back in 2001. We're like. Right. They're talking about true love as like the love between these two people. And so Miyazaki makes a point when he writes about women to say, you know, to write women who are who are brave and have who have no problem fighting for their own beliefs. They may need a yeah, like a friend during the journey, but not a savior. So you see these right. The, you don't see their kind of like the men swoop in and save the woman. It's like this woman is still carrying her own which we see that mm -hmm. kind of development as the the story goes on of Chihiro starts out and you know holding her breath as she walks across the the bridge you know crawling on hands and knees as she uh goes up and down stairs uh and like when she runs her her arms are like close to her chest or she's kind of hugging herself to this woman you know to this 10 year old girl who's like walking confidently her expressions are more purposeful she's looking people in the eye she's she's like her posture changes and all of these little details that you see but she doesn't it's not her becoming like a woman she's still a 10 year old girl like you see these details that Miyazaki puts where she's learning her independence learning to take care of herself she is continually crying and, and what I mean by that is like Mm -hmm. As as she is 
is is figuring out who she is and learning that she can take care of herself, she can work hard, she can still be kind to people, all of these things that we've been talking about. She doesn't stop crying. She's kind of crying at the beginning whenever she loses her parents. She's very emotional. She's emotional right in the middle whenever she sees her parents are pigs and sees where they're all all the pigs are cultivated together. And even at the end when she's at uh, Granny's house with no face and, and at this point in her in her development where she's really kind of at the peak, she's sure of herself, she knows what she stands for, she still kind of takes that moment to go off into a corner, she sits, she's sitting on her chair, and she just kind of cries for a little bit. What I love about this movie, uh, of the many things that I love about this movie, crying is not seen as something that is weak. And I just love that, especially how often society can tell you that emotions are a crutch. This young woman is continually, isn't separating herself from her emotions in order to be independent and in order to get things done. She is still herself. She is still in touch with her feelings and what is going on in her heart as she is becoming more and more independent and more and more uh, sure of herself. And I love that little touch. It's not a super big part of the film, but I love that little touch that Miyazaki added that it's okay to cry. There's nothing immature there's nothing weak about showing your emotions. I just love that. Anyway, she's putting on her shoes and she is like taking time to put on her shoes or she bumps up against something and things fall down and she has to pick them up real quick. She's still a 10-year-old girl, but she has like the confidence to like achieve what she's going after and to take care of herself. And it's just kind of this cool, like the last line in the movie is them driving away and she says, I think I can handle it. And then it cuts to credits. Uh, where, where yeah, she, yeah she, definitely. She kind of concludes being like, "I can, I can make friends. I can try a new school. I can experience the world. Not like, I can, I can fly. It's like, no, I'm ten year, I'm ten years old, and I can, I can take care of it. I can do this. It's There's just, nothing more dangerous than a child who's confident. <laughs> oh my goodness, dangerous in the best of ways. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh, but yeah, right, I've, I've babysat confident kids, and they're the worst sometimes. But yeah, oh my gosh, I think I think what what they call confidence sometimes can be, uh, gosh, I, I there's a difference between confidence and stupidity. If you're standing, yeah. if you're standing on the top cabinet, and be like, I'm gonna try and dive headfirst into the concrete. That's that's just. I'm confident I won't die. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> that's just yeah, that's silly, but. So um, I've kind of said my piece about what I think the message of the movie is. Um, kind of like everything you just said, is there anything that you kind of want to add to what you think might be the message of this movie or the moral of it or you know anything along that? Or do you kind of feel like that you've, that you've said your piece about that? I, I think so. I think, and this is, uh, again, watch more Miyazakis. If this is the only Miyazaki movie you've ever seen, hunt, out, hunt down more stuff like they're like watch stuff like How's Moving Castle, My Neighbor Totoro. They're beautiful, beautiful movies. But the overall kind of message really in all of his films are everything has value. And so be kind and love is just kind of the overall mm-hmm. message. Just be kind to people. Chihiro is treating no I face with love. I this too. Treats, even though Yubaba is this kind of mean woman, she's still kind of treating Yubaba with this level of kindness, but without sacrificing her own belief and being like, no, I want a job. No, I want a job. Uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Work hard, be kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. And how we finish all of these? Do you think that this movie deserves a sequel? 
you know what? I, I think that this movie can stand alone. I think that this movie mm-hmm. is beautiful just by itself and doesn't need to be touched. Um, if if Miyazaki and in his infinite wisdom decides to make a sequel, I'm all for it. But he, he, I don't know if he's ever made a sequel for anything, as far as I'm aware. So, oh, that's interesting. So yeah, he just it, just um, independent films, I believe. Mm. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with it on its own. She kind of has has her mission and goes through her life confidently. What about you? Do you think that they can expound upon the story? I'm while I agree with you, it probably shouldn't be touched. But I'm going to say, you know what? Let, let's 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 you know take take a crack at it. I, I, so I'm going to say yes. Okay. Uh, sequel. Um, just because you know, I feel like that there's other spirit worlds we could explore too. Um, and that's pretty much maybe not necessarily this exact one, but maybe like another place or, uh, just. Or maybe her returning, like maybe she's grown up now. Uh, Shakira, I mean, uh, she's grown up now and has maybe her own family now. Mm. Her own kids have to go through this trial and tribulation mm. again here at the at the spirit world. Um, and I'm just so intrigued by this um, this abandoned amusement park and like how did they eat? Because I like I I know like they're moving, they're trying to find their new house, but like. Like, did they just get lost? Like, like, were they supposed to go here? Like, because that's something I never got. I was like, they're on their way to their new house. But, like, this is obviously a road that goes nowhere else but here. Like, was that uh, just, like, destiny for that to happen? Or was this just, like, just a, an accident? I, I, I guess so. I don't I think it seemed like the dad, the dad was a character who kind of was, like, always in a rush and trying to get there faster than everybody else. And he's like, <laughs> let's go to the next thing. Okay. Oh, let's go on this adventure. Just dad. I guess, yeah, yeah, just being dad. I know where I'm going. I don't need directions. Uh, so I, I feel like yeah. it might have just been him trying to find a shortcut or being like, I know where I'm going. Uh, and he didn't know where he was going. Um, how much time do you think passed? This is an, something I don't know. How much time do you think passed between the start of the movie and the end of the movie? Because, like, the grass was overgrown and there was dust in the car. How long does it take for dust if, to, like, start if it's, cultivating? If it's, been, like, if it's been, like, weeks or months, she has missed class. She, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's going to be the new kid that's oh skipping class, and she's already starting off the wrong foot. Oh, my um, gosh, dude. <laughs> what, uh, well, what I think... So I'm going to say I won't take I won't cop out here and just say like it's only been like two days or uh, like a reasonable amount, not like months or weeks. Uh, I don't even think it's been a full week. I think there's been a couple days at the most. Sure. And I think the reason why there's so much brush and stuff on the on the cars because we did see a storm pass through. Oh. So I think I think that could explain that. That's a good point. That's a good point. So yeah, I'm just saying that so that way she's not a class skipper. Stay in school, kids. Stay in school that's, with your hero. Yeah, she's going and she's gonna get straight A's, top top of her class. Yeah. All right. And if she doesn't, that's okay. Bees are cool. Bees are cool. I was a bee student. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just try your best. Work hard. Be kind. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. This this was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. uh, this was definitely something out of my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. and not. Like, like, I liked the movie, but it wasn't exactly my cup of tea, but mm. it was still good, and I liked it. And I, obviously, through this episode, I got a lot out of yeah. it. If you watch it like it's a piece of art, which it is, then it's amazing. I think this is – I think it's incredible. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, there was a quote of his. I'll paraphrase because I don't have it on me, but he, he essentially was, compared Miyazaki movies to – a picture of some of better than life like you're 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 in you jumping into a world that's better than the world you're living in 
Uh, it's like it's mm-hmm. like an actual escape, and I I agree with that. I didn't watch Miyazaki until I was in college. My my wife grew up with it, and I kind of was married into Miyazaki, and I fall in love with his art too. But uh, definitely would recommend. I'm glad I'm glad that we got to do this one, Brooker. I'm glad that you 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 oh, yeah. you got to experience a love of mine. But uh, if you haven't seen again, like I've said, if you haven't seen this movie and you made it to the end of this podcast please go back and see it it's so beautiful or find another Miyazaki movie support that man he's got a big heart and he just loves to love on other people but before we wrap things up I just want to give a quick shout out to a podcast that's been very complimentary to us and they have been kind enough to give uh, a shout out for us on their own podcast I want to I want to give a quick shout out to Singularity Point Podcast. It's hosted by a couple broke college kids like Kat and I. Uh, it's hosted by Corbin and Caitlin. They just like to have fun and talk about things. Uh, they talk about video games, movies, anime, any sort of nerdy things, nerdy adjacent uh, topics. Uh, they have a lot of fun with each other. Um, you can find them on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And again, you can also find uh, you can reach out to Singularity Point Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. They love uh, listener interaction, so go go check them out. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been uh, Film on the Rocks. Uh, if you want, if you enjoyed this time uh, of listening to us chat about this movie that we enjoyed, think about sharing this podcast with your with your friends, your family. Um, we would love. Uh, to to get new listeners and to get uh, more and more people hearing our stuff and uh, please go onto our uh, subreddit film on the rocks uh, and leave comments suggestions for new movies follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, please communicate with us any way you can uh, we would love to hear suggestions we want to be as active in our li- uh, listener base as we possibly can you can find us on Google Podcasts Spotify Stitcher iTunes and really any other major platforms that you can. Uh, you can listen to podcasts uh but yeah brooker closing it out any last any last words closing it out nope i'm about to transform into a dragon and bust out of here <laughs> all right <laughs> thank you guys for listening all right see you guys see you guys work hard be kind <laughs>